Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Stories of the Supernatural. And as promised, I'm live streaming. Uh, and because I've had requests for it, I'm going to talk about hypnosis, okay, and New Year's resolutions. And the reason why, um, before when I was doing hypnotherapy, right about now, I was getting booked, booked solid uh, for people wanting to come in to get their news resolution done. All right. Now, nine times out of 10, okay, they had already been down this road before. In other words, oh, God. That's, of course, even though I have it at no volume, so whatever. Me and my iPhone, sometimes we're on great and other times we're at odds. But anyway, getting back to that. Right about now, which today's December 30th, we're on the cusp of the new year. Um, I would I, By now, I was getting booked, solid. And truth be told, by the time people, if you were coming to book a session with a hypnotherapist for your news resolution, I want to say more than 90% of the time, you had already been down this road before and had crashed and burned. Okay. Sometimes it was a spectacular crash and burn. Like you threw up your hands, whatever it was that you were trying to change, because really this is what uh, hypnosis helps you with, which is to change behavior, whether it's to start doing something, continue doing something or stop doing something. And we're so embedded in resisting change that, and then other people, uh, you know, the, the crash and burn was more subtle. Uh, they would have um, things like, uh, you know, I had this, this crisis, this this unforeseen um, happening, you know, that it was beyond my control. And I'm going to tell you something. I want to say, believe it or not, in about 20% of the cases, I would say it was a legitimate, and I want to use that word, excuse, that why they weren't able to keep doing or it interfered with their plans were on that New Year's resolution. All right. Because, and the reason why I'm stating this is, let me tell you up front, your, how can I say it? Your subconscious mind is very, very powerful and very sneaky. I'm going to show something um, and I'm going to use it for future reference. Let me see if you guys can see this. I know that uh, because of the lamp. Oh, shoot. Okay. This is a breakdown of how our mind works. The top 12% is your conscious mind. This is your logic, your willpower, your decision, all that stuff that you think is in control. The subconscious mind, which is the 88% who in reality is running the show, this is what you think, what, what that, what's always running in the background. How's that? You know how the computers and things have things running in the background and sometimes you're not aware of it? Well, the subconscious mind, okay, is always running in the background. And this is what's running the show, all right? You've got in there your life script, your motivations, your behavior, you know, the fight flight primitive mind thing that we everybody talks about. Believe it or not, that's 88% of your mind. What hypnosis does is it helps you make changes on that level. Because you could consciously be saying to yourself, you know what, I, I want to do whatever the change is. I want to stop smoking. 
I want to, um, I, I want to lose weight. I want to get even, let's say if it's not lose weight, but I want to get into physical fitness, you know, certain, or I want to do whatever or stop doing something. Okay. I want to stop eating or I want to, you know, you could have sometimes people notice, you know, I have what they call process, a kind of, a kind of process addiction where, Hey, you know what? I've realized I'm going shopping too much or I'm spending too much or whatever. It could be any type of behavior modification. All right. So bottom line, this is a lot of people, you know, this is the, the, the time where, and I would, you know, one of my first questions, people would come in, you know, I would have a little talk with them, you know, like find out what's going on. Why have you decided? And what do you, what, what do you expect the hypnosis is going to do for you in whatever it is? And that one of the questions I would ask is, well, why now? Why? Well, no, no, no. I mean, like, why did you wait for the New Year's resolution thing to go on? Well, you know, it's like, yeah, new year, new whatever. And I said, that was your first mistake. And it's not a mistake, but I said, let me ask you, did you ever attempt this before? Yeah. Was it ever unusual? Yeah. Not all the times, but a lot of times it was. And by the time, a lot of times they had already attempted this and it never, sometimes it was a New Year's resolution thing. Other times it wasn't. I said, number one, I said, there is a pattern of behavior. I go, and uh, if you want to look at it as being influenced by commercialism, I said, do you know how much it's pushed as far as New Year's resolution? I said, right now, and, and I can sell you because I went to the stores a couple of days ago. And I'm talking, and, and by the way, I'm not talking a specialty shop. I'm talking a regular, you know, you know, where they sell all the exercise stuff. All the vitamins, all the yoga mats, all the kettlebells. And this, by the way, again, this is not either a vitamin uh, store or, a, you know, uh, an exercise. No, this was not a specialized store. They had already put all their stuffs, all their stuff like that out there. And, of course, the shoes, the clothing that you need to be successful. In other words, there's a lot of money that tries to drive this behavior of, the New Year's resolution. And by the way, and of course, gyms, let's not even go there. They don't care whether a, a month from now you crash and burn and you've spent all this money and it ends up sitting on your shelf. All they want is to drive the behavior that this is the time to make that resolution. I said, what we need to do is we need to throw you off that pattern. First of all, you already told me perhaps that your New Year's resolution, New Year's resolution, you already let's let's forget that. We're gonna we're gonna get rid of that script. Forget the New Year's resolution. Forget it. Because you already have set up a pattern, which a lot of people do. And by the way, I used to work in a corporate setting many, many years ago, where right about now everybody goes saying, Well, you know what? As soon as the season's over, I'm gonna, you know, in other words, I'm gonna eat, but then I'm gonna lose weight or whatever, whatever the resolution. And we all used to commiserate with each other as when as by March, April, May, June, everybody had little by little for different reasons, of course, just stopped. Sometimes it was an exercise, sometimes it was, oh, there's a certain diet. Did you hear? But you know what? I'm gonna wait till after the new year. Because then I'm not going to, you know, all these things that you can eat now, I'm not going to. I said, I said, 
when you're ready to do something, you do it. Okay. <clears throat> when, you, when you're really ready to do something, you're going to do it. In other words, you don't wait for a New Year's resolution. You know that the thing about it, I'm sick and tired? Well, when you're really sick and tired, you do it. You don't wait for the new year. You don't wait for your birthday. You don't wait. And, I'm, and you know, I had, um, I had people that said, you know, well, you know what? Uh, I want to go to the gym because I know that a lot of these uh, gyms, they offer all these uh, specials. So that when you start, you know, you can, they give you like a, a sign on special kind of thing. And I said, well, you know what? You know how you know you're really serious? I said, um, what if I told you don't sign up for the gym? What? I said, yeah. I said, what if I told you, you know, because of course this is what goes with the gym, you know, maybe you need to buy this certain clothes because you want to look at least decent halfway. And maybe, you know, I said, I want you to walk. I would consider just walking. And by the way, I'm not talking because, you know, they they had any health problems, which of course I advise everybody, you know, whatever you decide to do, whether it's just walking or, you know, you've checked out with your with your doctor. But, you know, that was, you know, that was, I wasn't there for medical advice. I was there to help them achieve their goal. I said, why don't you just start walking? And I said, don't worry about if, if if you don't got specialty sneakers for joggers, forget that. Just if you've got a pair of beat up old Converse, go for it. That you don't have the stretchy, nice looking uh, gym clothes, forget it. If you've got the 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 the, the t-shirt with a million holes in it and you're comfortable shorts, use that. I said, and why don't you just start to walk? Map out, uh, let's say a mile half a mile, whatever, or you could do in half mile increments around your neighborhood. If you have a, if you live in a place where you're say it's not residential, go to your nearest park or some place where you can safely walk. Okay. That you could say, well, you know, that route I know is a mile or half a mile or two miles or whatever and start walking. And I said, and what you could think of or do is say, you know what, if I can do this, let's say for for the purpose of an example, let's say I start this January 1st, March 31st. If I can keep this up on a regular basis, in other words, if I can set up this habit and do it and combat the, the sneakiness that my subconscious mind will project to kind of like, how can I say, interfere with that, then you could say, you know what, if I can do that, then I can reward myself and start paying for a gym membership. Okay, because maybe, and, and again, I'm using the, the example of going to a gym for news resolution, just as an example, this could apply to different, uh, what you want to call it, whatever it is that you're wanting to do. Okay, whatever it is. Hey, I'm going to get that new uh, ultra sleek, uh, top of the line exercise machine. God knows there's a lot of them, which by the way, I know they're expensive. Okay. There's different, I'm not going to say which brands. And that's, that's, that, once I get one of those things, then that's it. I'm set to go because it's got this and that and that and this, and it'll talk to you and it'll take you around the world on a route, or you'll be in a class and then that's it. And I don't even have to worry about going to a gym because I can do it inside my house. Or and I said, okay, that's great. I think that's fantastic. But can you delay getting that piece of equipment for three months and find out? if you can stick to going 
and walking. I'm not even talking jogging or running. I'm talking about walking, walking for three months, at least what, if not every day, three times a week, at the very least, three times a week. And by the way, you will have a back, at least two backup plans. What do you mean? I want you to tell me if that place that you're going to be going to has uh, some type of like, hey, after a certain time, I can't go there. It's closed down. If it's, let's say it's a park, um, where else can you go? Can you go around your house? Or in other words, have a, a plan B and a plan C. Whereas if I can't, you know, maybe I'm far away. And I, I want you to carry, by the way, a change of clothes or shoes, shoes something in your car or in your vehicle or something. Oh, come on. No, that's it. Because believe me, I guarantee you, your subconscious mind is going to find a different a variety of them of reasons why you cannot make it to do that. All right. And I said, okay. And I said, and in the, in the meantime, we're going to work on the hypnosis to start. Um, how can I say? To start letting you accept this change in your behavior. Number one, number two, also to start seeing your self-identity, the way you see yourself in your mind. In other words, again, I'm going to use whether it's a smoker or somebody that's maybe has a problem with their weight. When you start telling them, we're going to take that part of you that you identify yourself with in your mind. Even if in your, by the way, in your conscious mind, you're saying, I don't want that. I don't want to be a smoker. I don't want to be overweight. I don't want to have this compulsion. Your subconscious mind is running to show. Your subconscious mind is driven very simple, very basic. Pain and pleasure. Pleasure to your subconscious mind is what is known. It's your comfort zone. Even if consciously you think, I don't want this. This is not good for me. Um, I, I could see this is going to end badly. Your subconscious mind sees the pleasure in it because I know it. It's my comfort zone. Pain is the unknown. Pain is what will come of the change in this behavior. What will come in the change of how I look, how I feel. And then, I mean, we can extrapolate it from there as to why this behavior starts with and why you're so resistant. Even though you're thinking, but come on, let's say I want to lose weight. I'm going to give you an example. One time I had a client. She was an older lady. I want to say she was in her early 60s, maybe 60s, something like that. She came in to see me. <clears throat> the reason why I remember her because of the reason why she started to smoke. She came to see me because she had COPD. Her doctors had told her, if you do not stop smoking, you will die. You will die. When you looked at her, she had a, she, you know, she wasn't overweight. Her body weight was fine. She, she looked healthy. I mean, it wasn't like, but she had COPD, which is a very, very serious disease, which attacks your lungs, your heart, everything. And when she came in, she, she told me, like, she goes, my doctor told me that if I don't stop smoking, I'm going to die. Because, you know, you always ask your client, well, why are you here? What made you decide that you want to stop smoking? You know? I told her, how did you start? How did you start smoking? She, contrary to the majority of my clients usually start when they were really young. She tells me when I was in my twenties, you know, I was a stay at home mom and all the uh, moms on the block used to, hang, you know, they, after the kids were off to school, 
we would go to some one of their houses, you know, everybody would visit. And she says, and one of my neighbors, she was a smoker. And a couple of them were smokers. And I started going over there. And I wasn't a smoker. I was in my 20s. But before I knew it, just to be there, you hang out. She says, that's how I started to smoke. All right. And now fast forward 30 or 40 years, she had COPD. Okay. And my point being that sometimes, and, and, and I guess I want to demonstrate how powerful the subconscious mind is. Because believe it or not, contrary to what a lot of people think about the addictive nature of nicotine, it's not that really that problem that people have with the, um, with the smoking, you know, that they think the chemical addiction, believe it or not, it's more psychological than anything. Okay, you get rid of a lot of the toxins out of your body pretty quick. You know, obviously, the more time goes by, the better it is for your body. But most of the, the addiction to cigarettes is the, be, the behavior the, that you identify yourself that way, that you use it to soothe, that you, when you picked up the habit, it served a purpose, and all of a sudden, it's you. So when you tell somebody, let's stop smoking, it's like you're, you're, you're trying to rip away that identity I have. And that's how deep-seated it is. And that's why people are so resistant to it. And um, in the point being in this last lady, she had developed COPD. You would think most people would have said long before she had a doctor tell her, either you stop smoking or you're going to die. She would have let that go right away. And guess what? She didn't. She was basically, that. Like in other words, the doctor had thrown his, this is, and I remember this was a few years back. The doctor basically had given, thrown up his hands uh, saying, like, in other words, I can treat you for this, but as long as you're smoking, you're going to die. There's nothing I can give you. There's no medicine I can give you that's going to cure you or help you or alleviate your symptoms if you keep smoking. And she wasn't. She came to me and I helped her out. And, you know, of course, that's another whole process. But and I'm going to give you another story as far as when people that switch goes off in your head when you're going to do something and you don't wait for a new year's, you don't, you don't wait for new year's. In other words, new year sometimes is a good reason to have an excuse for later on because God, every God, everybody knows everybody. Okay. New year's resolution go by the wayside. It, they do. It's like, Oh, you know, you too. Oh my God. Yeah. Because you know, I had this and that and that. And remember, I remember I, I used to work in just at a floor alone with a, a lot of people. So it's like everybody commiserates because you're all you're in the New Year's Eve resolution club. All right. I want to give you another story. This was somebody I knew that when I met him, he was an adult. And he tells me the story that he, when he was a young teenager, very young, 13, 14, something like that, 12, 13, he says, I was the youngest of three child. I was a mistake kid. He says, my two older sister were older. As a matter of fact, by the time he was growing up, his oldest sister had married. His older, second oldest sister, she was already, she was in her late, early 20s or something like that. She was still at home, but in other words. And he says, my, my parents were, you know, they were poor. He said, I, um, you know, I, we lived in this little two-bedroom apartment. Um the, my parents gave one of the rooms to my sister and I would sleep like on this little bed at the foot of their bed. And his mom didn't work. She had problems with diet. She had diabetes. So his dad was the only one that was 
basically sustaining the, the household. And he says, man, everything that you hear about the prototypical kid, I mean, everything. He says, I was skinny. He says, I wasn't that tall, I was average height. I was skinny. I had crazy wild curly like hair, like, you know, that hair that you can't make it, you can't tame it no matter what. I had acne. I had big buck teeth. He says, I was ugly as hell. This was, of course, many years ago. He says, one day I made this decision that this is not what I wanted. And by the way, and that I wasn't the one that was going to, I was the only one that was going to solve it. He said, and I remember this was back, like I said many times, when he was 14, he got a job as a bag boy at Winn-Dixie. And this was back then when 14, they would let you, they would hire you, you know, certain hours after school. And he said, I realized that, you know, so what he did was, he said he found a couple of like weights. He says they were, I don't remember where he said he got them from. Somebody had discarded them. And he says, what I did was I read up some books because that's another thing that he had not going. He was a nerd in the sense that he was like into books and reading. You know, everything that's like puts a big bullseye on you get picked on. He says, I read up on these exercise books because I went to the library. Yes, once upon a time when people would actually go to the library, he went to the library and he read up on all these books on exercises, right? Basic as an exercises. No gym, by the way, again, no gym. He says, I picked up a couple of weights and he said, and I found this, uh, his dad, I think it had like a side garage or like a little place. And he says, he says, come four o'clock. He says, I will be hanging out with my friends. I didn't tell any of my friends what I was doing. He says, come four o'clock. I would say, I got to go somewhere. And he said, all his friends would tell him, what do you mean? And he goes, I got to go somewhere. And he would just leave. And he started working out by himself based on, you know, a couple of weights that he found and that he read. He didn't tell any of his friends. In other words, he kind of, at that moment, you know, when you get that that moment of, I, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to wait for somebody to accompany me or to get their approval. And by the way, this is a 14 year old kid. Starts working out. He says, he says, I knew that my parents didn't have the money to get me braces, orthodontics. So he said, I'd started working at Winn-Dixie as a bag boy. He said, within walking distance of where I lived at, he says, it was a few blocks. It wasn't like around the corner. And by the way, this is how that conversation came up because it turned out later on in life when I was in my 20s, I went to that same dentist, which by the way, he was a dentist who did orthodontics as well. He says he would walk and the doctor let him pay, you know, the, you know, back then, this was, I want to say this was in the late 70s, early 80s the orthodontics as he went along. And this doctor did the orthodontics for him. And he paid from his money that he was getting as a back boy at Winn-Dixie. All right. And he says, every once in a while, my dad would pick me up if he could. But otherwise, I'd walk to and from the dentist office. Okay. Later on, he told me like when he was 17 or 18, he had a better job. He even ended up going to a dermatologist that was helping him with his skin you know, with the acne and stuff. To make a long story short, when he went into ninth grade, he got voted best body. <laughs> he got voted best body. Okay, this is in junior high. All right. By the time I met him, his teeth were perfect because of course he was an adult, but he did. He Remember, this was the time where, where you had to have braces on there for like two or three years, you know, or whatever, depending on how bad you're, what you were trying to do. Uh, he had perfect teeth. And, you know, like I said, when he, a little, a, a couple of years later, he started going to a dermatologist, which helped him with his skin. 
Um, and of course, you know, you fast forward and he turned into a really handsome guy. All right. You know, that, that, that duckling to a swan story that everybody hears about. The point of the story is that you have to, the hypnosis can help you with relaxation and to keep your news resolution, but there has to come something in your head that you make that switch, that you do it, you execute. And not only do you execute, you don't one, one week, two weeks, a month, you don't go off the path. Whether you, there's this approval, you don't have somebody to go with you. You know, I had people that would come to me and, uh, you know, let's say again, the gym, what you talk? Well, you know, I started going, my sister, my cousin, my friend, and then they couldn't go. And then if they couldn't go, I wouldn't go by myself. And then before you knew, in other words, they hung their whole plan, okay, of weight loss or going to the gym on this person or somebody accompanying them. And if this person couldn't go, okay, then they couldn't go. And then before you knew it, it was like, okay, then you're not serious about it. But when you're going to do something, you're going to go no matter what. You can't go, yeah, I know what. I might feel really uncomfortable going by myself because maybe I'm used to going with somebody. But the thing is, when you want something that bad, you push through it. And you endure the uncomfortableness just so that you can get, you know, that 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 end point, that goal, that destination that you want, you want it that bad. And I said, I can help you with hypnosis. Now, um, one of the, uh, the, the, and then, you know, I, I, you know, people have heard that when I had a client, you know, I would give them like a 10 minute little MP3 file that they would, I would say, you know, by the way, as an aside, if you're working with affirmations, it's great. If you can pick and choose the time that you're going to listen to an affirmation, choose the end of the day. Contrary to a lot of people think, oh, at the beginning of the day, I'm going to do my affirmation group. That's great. If you want to do that, fine. But if there's one day of the, and by the way, when I say at night, I take that back because now, nowadays people have such crazy schedules. Schedule it for right before you're going to go to sleep. Because believe it or not, that's when your subconscious mind will welcome, well, it opens up to accept that affirmation. All right. So it's nighttime, you know, if you're one of these people that works overnight, whatever, right before you go to sleep, it's a time to do your affirmations. All right. If, and, and if that doesn't work for you, do with them at whatever time. This is something is better than nothing. Now, like I said, <clears throat> you know, I had clients that I would give these relaxations. You know, I would give them MP3 files. Obviously, their hyp hypnosis was tailored to what they came to me for. All right. But I would still give them this little MP3 file to uh, relax and allow them in to go into REM sleep. Okay. This is really, really important because a lot of people sleep, but they never go into REM sleep. REM sleep is when basically you clear your mind, the slate, you work out whatever's going on with you uh, at work. You know, it could be stuff that's important, other stuff that's not important. So basically when you go into REM level sleep that you have these dreams, sometimes you don't remember them, you clear out, you, you just, you, you know, you basically process what your experiences were for the day and you either discard them or you internalize them for future reference. And that's how. You're, but if you never go down to that level of REM, okay, that's why some people will say, you know what, I slept eight hours, 10 hours, but I woke up and I feel like I still got cotton in my head. I even feel, I just don't feel rested. And you're thinking, but I know I slept. 
because you never went down to REM sleep. So one of the things that, of course, that I included in the recording was the uh, suggestion for REM. I, I, I told them sometimes you're going to start having wild and crazy dreams, really vivid uh, dreams that people have about things, places that you're like, ah, where did that come from? Believe it or not, that's your subconscious mind talking to you. Your subconscious mind talks to you in symbols. All right. I tell everybody, if I tell you, if I tell you the word tiger, do you see tigers? Do you see a tiger? Okay. Everybody's subconscious mind is different. It talks to you in symbols that you only you understand. All right. Which is as as as, as a as an aside, you know, you you you'll get some psychics that will tell you, well, you know what? When I get psychic impressions, I'll see this. And everybody's different because what when something means something, a picture means something to a certain person as far as interpretation, to another one, it could mean something totally different. But anyway, and then people would ask me, well, Marlene, you know, uh, once you, let's say, work with somebody on hypnosis, uh, why do you, why do sometimes people slide back in? And we're going to discuss that in a minute. But in the meantime, okay, um, but uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is I want you to understand that each time that we attempt to break a pattern and we fail to do so, we begin to feel powerless, okay? And you might not even realize that you're trapped in this cycle of repetition. This is why I'm saying, see, people will come to me for hypnosis because a lot of them felt stagnant. It was like, I, you know, I've tried this before and I don't even know why. And what happens is that you're entrenched in this behavior. Um, and at some point you start getting frustrated because you recognize that this, this repetition, whatever it might be, it kind of runs your life. Okay. And by the way, this sometimes is repetition. It, it's different things in different parts of our lives. And what happens is that we kind of lose sight that in the end, and I know this might sound very, uh, trendy, you have, you have free will. Okay. Now you can, those are my dogs having a meltdown there must be somebody out there but anyway we lose i apologize i'm sorry uh, anyway we lose sight that we have free will now now you can ask why do we do this all right you guys this is what happens when you leave your dogs in with you um in the, this is the thing again we come down to the unconscious level we play out these themes in various ways in order to experience the emotion attached to these situations over and over again. Even if the emotions are undesirable or unpleasant. Okay, sometimes these emotions are tied into traumatic life events, possibly in childhood. Sometimes we remember what they are. Sometimes we don't remember what they are. Okay, this is an example. Let's say if you're a kid, and you're repeatedly scolded by a raging adult. By this, I don't mean your parent telling you, oh my God, don't do that anymore. You're driving me crazy. You know, sometimes, you know, kids will get their parents angry. I'm talking about a raging adult. I'm talking about somebody, an authority figure that is not beyond the angry. Now, you as an adult could respond one of two ways. You could avoid confrontation or you yourself become an angry adult. Okay. Now, when a person like this that has, let's say, this in their background, they, uh, they encounter, let's say, a confrontation. 
whether they were the ones that caused this other person to get angry at them, or they're the ones that are getting angry. In other words, they're the, they're the perpetrators. Okay, what happens is that the fear that they felt as a kid, they start experiencing like in present time, almost like what you hear about PTSD, where people, these memories be, are very fresh to them. It's almost the same thing. And at, in some cases, you might not realize you're reacting, or you might, and then, but you still can't understand why you, you why you feel this way. Um, and the importance of understanding this is that you need to understand that you're continually drawn to reenact the same emo the same scenarios. Even if the emotion is uncomfortable and we avoid feeling them, yet at the same time, our desire to break from it actually creates a situation that forces us to feel these emotions, all right? And again, this all happens on the unconscious level. Uh, once you heal this pattern, then you learn it's because we learned what was necessary. I'm going to give you another example from one of my clients. I had this lady come to me. Um, I want to say she was in her late 30s, early 40s. She was overweight. And she had come to me because she says, you know, I need better eating habits. I recognize, I know I, I don't eat the way I should and whatever. By the way, she was very successful very successful. She was involved in professional football. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. Uh, she had been involved in this for many years. She was well off. As far as career, I guess is my point. She had made it. She was good. And she had been doing this for several years. Um, you know, and, and people come back because she came to see me several times. And, you know, you, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, she was unmarried. She didn't have kids. And, you know, she was like into her nephews and nieces and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, as people get more comfortable with you, you know, you talk about different things. And basically, you know, the hypnosis was working way for her as far as making, because really what she wanted to do was make the right choices of food. So we addressed it in that, from that angle. And then later on, she, you know, you know, that you talk about, you know, other times that she had done different diets because her stuff wasn't so much as far as going to the gym or working out. Her thing was what she was eating. You know, we got into that conversation about different diets and what had happened. And all. Now, come to find out really, and I know this is weird, that I want you to, and the point I'm trying to make is sometimes that you have to understand what motivates us to certain behavior. She, at some point, we this was a conversation we had. She says, um, you know, I, I think about this now. And I think that she had gotten into this industry like early 20s, something like that. Um, you know what? That I thought that if I looked attractive, because she had a she had a she was a nice looking woman, her face, she was a you could tell if she had lost some weight, she was she'd be very beautiful. I said, uh, she goes, I realized, you know what? She was so intent on being successful in what she was doing, that somewhere in her mind, okay, and then we weren't doing psychotherapy, this is what she was telling me that she said, in other words, she thought that if she was slim and attractive, it was going to derail her from, in other words, to come to get this career going. In other words, to her not having a romantic life, not having kids or anything was what allowed her to go 
into this career because in her mind she thought if i let any of these things come in it's going to derail me and i'm not going to achieve the success i want fast forward 20 years she's realized wow uh i'm overweight and yeah i could successful but that can only make you happy so far and i, I think the point being that i think she realizes that she could have had other avenues in her life and she could have still been successful even if let's say she's she would have said well you know what i'm going to delay the the maybe getting married having a family whatever I mean, the romance i'll put on the back burner but okay in other words time slipped by 20 25 years had gone by and now it was like all these options a lot of them had faded and uh and of course now she was worried about her health and then you know we start talking and then she tells me you know what and i i look back now and i realize in this industry sometimes really good looking women are not taken seriously again the angle of this would have uh interfered with my career in other words i made it in this career as a woman because i wasn't that overweight and then you know people took me seriously when i talked business with them because and remember this i'm not saying this is actually the way it is this was her perception your perception is your reality her perception was that if you were good looking you weren't taken seriously because i guess either whoever you were talking to would try to seduce you date you or just write you off like oh another pretty you know empty head ah. this was her perception and by the way it might have been accurate i i have no idea I wasn't involved, but in her mind, if you were too attractive or, you know, you, you just weren't, in other words, again, this was going to sabotage her career efforts. All right. <clears throat> and she, you know, she talked about her nephews and nieces and stuff like that. And you could tell almost like, you know, like, yeah, they're great, but I realized maybe I wanted my own kids and then we got into this other thing, which by the way, this, the following that I want to explain, I see this also a lot of times uh, with the women, because I, I did have more women come to me for weight control and to lose, was where your subconscious mind, the way they see it, the way your mind sees it is, okay, you're consciously thinking, you know, I want to lose weight. I want to become attractive. I want to go out again. I want to, um, I just want to whatever. But your subconscious mind, which by the way, this weight, what you look like, your your station in life, let's call it, this is their comfort zone. Your sub, this is the way your subconscious mind sees it. Because your subconscious mind, by the way, is always going to try to maintain homeostasis. Homeostasis, is, let's, let's keep things the way they are. Okay, you lose weight, yeah, you're going to have to replace all your clothing. You know, that clothing will, you know, that won't fit anymore. You, maybe you spent a lot of money on that clothing. Yeah. Yeah, and well, if you become attractive, then one of two things. If you're in an existing relationship, what's how's that gonna affect your relationship? How's that gonna how's that gonna affect that? You know, what are you gonna do if you've got people coming on to you, even if you're married or in a, in a relationship? All right. Or let's say you're not in a relationship. A lot of women sometimes get that fear of kissing the frog. They're all frogs. Like, how are you going to handle that attention? What if you get around with the wrong guy? What if he breaks your heart? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Because this is the way the subconscious mind uses fear to keep you 
locked into what you currently have. It extrapolates into the negative. It does. You know all the. You know how you know how the the, the you hear about those the 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 moms or the grandmothers though the ca- everything is catastrophic. If you're gonna run, you're gonna fall, and the, the stick's gonna poke your eye out. You know everything is to the nth degree of disaster. Okay, well this is the way the subconscious mind works in the background. Okay, it goes. You might just see it as like I want to lose weight because I want to feel better, healthier, and I want to buy some nice clothes. Maybe you had never been slim and you're like, man, I got to do this. Or maybe once upon a time you were slim, you put on weight for different reasons, pregnancies have got in the way. And you're like, man, I want to get back to that. You know how that, that thing, I want to get into my jeans again. And you're just thinking it's that simple. Like, why can't I, why can't I do that? Because your subconscious mind is telling you, you need to stay where you're at now. Because if you don't, what could come of that? Romance? Oh. New clothes. And what are you going to do with all the old clothes you spent a lot of money in? You know, you'll get attention. God forbid. You think, well, who doesn't want that? A lot of people, they might want the attention as in, you know, that somebody, I'm going to use the woman, the woman thing, that you get admired. You look pretty. Whatever. You turn ahead. They might say, I want that, you know, uh, 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 that would be nice or to get a compliment. But deep down inside, they're terrified of it. Because for a lot of different reasons, sometimes they were even brought up or told by an authority figure. Oh, don't think you're pretty because you're not. You know, or the, um, don't, you know, are you conceited? You know what? You're thinking all that? Uh, let's see what else, uh, all, all these, you know, it could be a parent, it could be a teacher, it could be just an authority figure as a kid that's basically, uh, telling you, uh, feeding this into your mind. And you might not even remember these conversations or overhearing this, because by the way, that's the way the subconscious mind works. It's everything you've heard, seen, you have it in there. Um, oh, look at her. She's just thinks, you know, you know, there's something you overhear as a kid. Oh, sh- she thinks she's all that, you know, she's a, a sinner, you know, let's say, like, let's go the religious route. Or, yeah, she's a, that, that whore. <laughs> because women can be very, um, and we could do each other in real quick, you know. But you're a kid, and you're listening to this, and in the back of your mind, you're equating good-looking or or having men look at you or being complimented by somebody that says, man, you look, you look nice. That's like being conceited. Women like that are whores. Women get like that get talked about, even though it might have no foundation in truth. And that's buried in your subconscious mind. Okay. Or you just worry like, man, let's go into the thing of a relationship, a new relationship. Oh man, you know what? What if... I lose weight and let's say I get attention. This is, the, this is your subconscious mind feeding, you know, the, the fear into you. And then what, you know, what if, what if you get like the other dumbass that broke your heart? Hmm? What do you do then? Because it's almost like they, 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 you know, like it's out there. It's, you know, so again, this is how your subconscious mind works. And we're going to get into also how the law of attraction works with this 
later on, okay, as far as how people fall into the same thing over and over again, and then they can't figure out, why does this keep happening to me? Okay. Um, now, and again, I'm going to get back to this. What you, what you as an adult think is inconsequential, all right, could be terrifying for a kid. All right, it could be something like getting chased by a dog, uh, getting lost in a store, being teased at school. Even now, you might think back, or you, it, it might even be an event you don't remember. Okay, and I'm going to go again with the example, you know, the, the, the woman that says, ah, I always seem, seem to pick the wrong man. Okay, what she basically is showing is that she's got some type of emotional pattern of fear and victimization. Now, contrary to what you think when, you know, when, and by the way, this can work the same way with a man. It, it, when when I, I'm just using that example, you know, we're talking about, you know, the same people, the people that end up with the wrong mate, with a wrong partner somehow is like, oh my God. Now, contrary to what she believes that when she says that, oh, I always seem to pick the wrong man or the wrong guy. She's, you might think, she, or she thinks I'm only describing my past and her, you know, her present maybe. But she's also basically describing her future because she is basically reinforcing this pattern of I always pick the wrong guy. By the way, this is important why you, what words you use. Uh, now, she's, she thinks, and when that make that statement that her problem is the men she chooses to date. But the truth is that all they, they, they basically, she's using them. They are the instrument that push her emotional buttons. The pattern is not them. The pattern is inside of her, which is why she's attracted to these men to begin with, because they fit into this pattern that she's got going on. Okay, if she meets a guy, and I don't care how good looking he is, she already reckoned, and by the way, I saw this a lot. If she crosses path with a man who doesn't fit into, in other words, it's not going to push the emotional buttons. She's the pattern she wants to reenact. She's not interested. And there's, and, and, and I know friends that will say, man, you know what? Uh, So-and-so, I got her this date or, and ah, she's not interested. And you're like, man, this is a great guy or a great girl, whatever the, you know, the situation is as far as, you know, you get somebody for your brother or your, they're not interested. I don't get it because there's, there's, there's a mechanic going on an emotional level. All right. Because without realizing it, we repeat events and situations because it's what you know. Um, in other words, when we behave a certain way, even if it's destructive and it brings us heartache, uh, it feels familiar and comfortable. And believe it or not, familiarity, the behavior that produces it, we fall back into it. Remember what I talked about, the pain or pleasure principle of your subconscious mind? These, these are these, these are different themes that people uh, that come about from that behavior. Um, feeling not good enough, choosing the wrong romantic partner. Uh, in some cases, being abused physically, emotionally, and or sexually. Feeling victimized, uh, feeling helpless and powerless. Uh, fear of loss, commitment, intimacy, or being alone. By this, I mean of, you know, the person that sometimes what they call dependent that, you know, you, you, you cling maybe to a relationship or a person that because um, sometimes you fear intimacy or the, the reverse, you just stick to somebody because you 
you're more afraid of being alone than saying, you know, this, this relationship is not good for me. Uh, feelings of abandonment, uh, lacking money, health, love, friendship, being unacknowledged, feeling misunderstood by everyone, feeling unworthy, low self-esteem, being overlooked for advancement, being unheard and ignored, having personal boundaries violated, not fitting in, being angry and managing the anger. All these are themes that we see um, that hypnosis helps you to undo. And in, in other words, the behavior is a symptom. The root cause sometimes lies in that. Okay. And without going into like a psychodynamic, you know, exploration, psychotherapy, it's like, okay, there's this, this type of little behavior because you can't throw the kitchen sink that we're going to work with hypnosis. Okay. To help you change this behavior and how it feeds you and makes you feel comfortable because we're going to start to steer the ship this way. All right. And help you feel comfortable and that your mind also your subconscious mind accepts it and doesn't try to sabotage you. Okay. In the beginning, you have to realize that basically and one of my things that I would tell my clients, as a matter of fact, when I was advertising my hypnosis is make your subconscious, your ally, because it is not your ally. You've got to make your subconscious. The, the only way you can make your subconscious your ally is to make it be there. In other words, go into your subconscious mind as, as it's, it's okay. All right. And then be aware that at the beginning you might sabotage it in a million ways that sometimes are really obvious. A lot of times are not. Um, and another thing. Everybody, you know, you know, our brain, we have what they call brain plasticity. You know, this is where your brain develops neural pathways of certain things that we do automatically, like learning how to drive, certain things that at the beginning you were like over, you, you felt like I, I've got to, and then, and then I do that, and then, and then I do this. And then after a while, you get to the point where you do it on automatic because you're, you've developed neural pathways in your brain and you go on automatic. And you just repeat it because it doesn't involve decision-making. Uh, and, and you don't engage the frontal lobes. Uh, and, and basically what your brain is always trying to do is work as efficiently as possible. And this is sometimes why. And even when I'm sure any anybody that's been around children will see that sometimes they want to hear the same story read over and over again the same way or certain videos that they want to see. Uh, because we're kind of like the same old story is comforting. All right. Now, one of the things that I would also tell my clients, and we're going to um, get into the law of attraction. Okay. Because here we are, we're, I'm giving you hypnosis and you want to change this behavior. All right. Now, believe it or not, you want to manifest you want the universe to bring you certain situations to you they're going to help you in what you want all right and how we vibrate okay on a metaphysical level does manifest the universe will deliver it okay regardless is it good for you or bad for you all right so one of the first things that you're going to do, which is the change, that, that thing where people are like dug in their heels, like, yeah, I want to change, but no, is I would tell them, you know, depending on my client, this was different. 
Oh, tell him I want you to go home and rearrange your furniture. What? I said, I want you to rearrange your furniture. <laughs> I said, I want you to, even though you might not think uh, doing that starts telling the universe, I want to change. And look, I want to change. I rearrange my furniture. Or what's, what, what's something? Oh, I, I always go down this way to work. Okay, I want you to go a different way. Oh, because I, I want you to go to a new restaurant and try something that you've never done before. I go, you might not like it. I'm not, you know, but I want you to be willing to do this. And I'm more than one occasion. In other words, start vibrating, changing things about yourself, even though what you might be doing has might have nothing to do, you know, okay, well, Marlene, you know, I want to stop smoking. So what does it have to do with me uh, going to eat at a Korean restaurant, whatever, something I've never tried before. It's your you're implementing change. You're going to start vibrating that you want to change. And the universe recognizes it. Okay. Plus, it starts working in the neural pathways of your brain that this is how you're going to work it. Okay. Because it's not only behavior as in physical behavior. Of course, obviously, it's what's up here. All right. I used to, um, for example, uh, I had some when people let's say would come to me for smoking cessation usually you know i would ask them you know how long we've been smoking how you know whatever and then we would get to the point of um you know were they smoking more than a pack less than a pack and then i would graduate them back and then i had some hardcore smokers hardcore all right and they, you know, telling them to get them down to a pack was like, I'm telling them, I'm going to put you in a rocket and we're going to shoot you to the moon. Uh-uh. They could. You know what? Some of those people had to scale them back basically by five cigarettes. All right. These were people that they woke, they opened their eyes, they swung their legs over the bed, and they would reach for a cigarette. All right. Before they went to sleep, they had to go and have their good night cigarette. And let's not even go after meals and in between and whatever. All right. And remember, when I was doing this, we, the vaping didn't exist. We didn't have the vape or all these substitutes. Which, by the way, these people, they, they, they didn't want that. They wanted to stop smoking. And, you know, again, we had to work on your identity as a smoker. Okay. You're not a smoker that stops smoking because those are the people that fall back into smoking. We're going to get rid of you're not a smoker. Not an ex-smoker or a smoker that stopped a smoker that stopped smoking. You're not gonna be a smoker, period. But what I'm saying is, and a lot of these people were so entrenched in this behavior, which by the way, sometimes had years of reinforcement in them, that we had to start shifting other things in them. All right. Same thing. I had I had clients that would come to me sometimes because they weren't out and out hoarders. Uh they would come to me um but they kind of, the, 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 in other words, they would say, you know what? I, um, thank you. Thank you, Sun Fox. This is for one of my clients. Yes. Law of attraction is everything. Anyway, um, what would happen is uh, they notice themselves. It, usually sometimes um, this used, it happened after like the death of somebody close to them, like something traumatic, something that caused a lot of anxiousness. And they always had this tendency to keep a lot of stuff, but they themselves were realizing, man, I'm getting out. In other words, they were running out of space. 
<laughs> they were running out of space. So, you know, we worked on um, lessening the anxiety, relaxing, and a little by little decluttering. And I mean, we could go into even how energy works if you want to go the route of feng shui or even what decluttering does as far as energy work, what comes into your life, what leaves, how you feel trapped, you know, and, and that we even worked where like, you know what, let's, let's, let's start on a section, section by section. All right. Of, of donating things or uh, finding a better place for them or just, and it, in other words, sometimes it was a slower process, but part of the approach with hypnosis was what would happen on a vibrational energy level, okay, to help them out. And on a, and also something that we do a lot of hypnosis, which is let's take it on a 24-hour basis. Because a lot of the times, believe it or not, the underlying uh, feeling in all of this is anxiety, all right? And people telescope their problems, become bigger. Uh, and instead of taking things in 24-hour basis, the anxiety just overwhelmed them. And what really wasn't that big a problem, or let's say they had to meet um, some type of deadline or something that they wanted to do, something that was very simple but had to get done would seem like, what? And it was like, let's break it down. Let's go by 24 hours. But at the basis of for all of that to work, that person had to relax, had to go into REM sleep, and then, of course, one of the things that I always told my clients was we're going to shut the door to your subconscious mind if it's negative information. In a minute, I want to explain to you why. Because people would say, well, you know what? If you do hypnosis and you make this change, whatever the change was, why do people sometimes get fall back into that, fall back into that pattern of behavior? All right. I'm going to explain to you how that works. And that's, uh, okay. Now, this is this is something, this is, which I think is, is, is really important. I'm going to interject this here. And, and this, is, this is a quote from uh, a lady. Her name is Dr. Doris Cohen. And this is what she wrote. Survival is another universal principle and the most powerful motivation for behavior. Everything in us is geared to survive. If we don't survive, we don't live and have experiences. If we don't live and have experiences, we don't change. If we don't change, the soul doesn't grow. If the soul doesn't grow, it doesn't do what it came here to do. And then the whole purpose of coming to earth and living in a human body becomes irrelevant. Okay. And basically, hypnosis can help you counteract the brain's old habits or repetition to create new habits and disconnect from repeating and falling back on what we know, all right, which is our comfort zone, all right? And, you know, again, regardless if what you're trying to do is a New Year's resolution, okay, is whatever it might be, okay, you have to understand the motivation behind it and how hypnosis can work with you. Now, let's go back to what I was saying, like, well, how is it, you know, people fall back into, you know, the behavior or whatever. This is, uh, uh, the information I'm going to take is something that a hypnotist by the name of Dick Sutphin, he wrote this back in 1984, by the way, Mr. Sutphin passed away last year. And I remember I read this many years ago. And you know how you read some stuff and you go, wow, that sounds really good. But then as time goes by, 
Um, in other words, practicality. And you go either that was a load of crap or man, that really. And I found that a lot of his, um, what he talked about in this, uh, this white page, if, if I find a link to it, I'm going to post it in the credits of the show is basically it holds true. And in, in it, he discusses how people are brainwashed, the conversion, um, you know, in other words, that a lot of what we see now via the media versus via commercial, God knows with phones nowadays, everything um, that basically we get embedded with commands, all right? Or, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard of subliminals. Uh, and there's a lot of ways to induce a trance. You know how you get somebody to go into a hypnotic state? You make them anxious. You really scare somebody, it wipes their mind clean and they go into hypnotic trance. People think that to be in hypnosis, you have to be like your eyes closed. No, you could be, have your eyes wide open and you could be in a hypnotic trance. And basically you're opening yourself up to suggestions, what they're telling you, even if you're good or bad. That's why when kids are scared and they get scared and somebody tells them, you're a bad kid, you're this, they're, that's going straight into subconscious. Why? Because they're so scared, their mind is blanked out, okay? And they don't. And even as an adult, we do that. That critical factor that, you know, I remember I showed you. That critical factor that stops and says, man, that's not true. Well, wait a minute. That's not accurate. It's like, it's down. It's down. It just goes, especially if it comes from an authority figure. All right. And by the way, um, before I go any further with this, something I forgot about. Something that, that I would talk to. You know, when people would talk, you know, come to me for the, uh, hey, um, you know, I've done this before and I, I need the hypnosis because you know what? I said, okay, first thing I want you to do is I want you to forgive yourself. What? Yeah, forgive yourself. Give for, let yourself off the hook for crashing and burning. Whatever mistakes you made along these lines, whatever they were, stop it. Well, okay. But do you realize that a lot of people never forgive themselves? They will remember their mistakes from 10 years back, 20 years back, 30 years back, 40 years back. I said, forgive yourself. People make mistakes. You know, yes, you might have made a mistake. Hopefully you learn from it. That's the whole. I mean, if, if there's anything you're going to get out of being a mistake. And by this, by this I'm talking, some mistakes are small and some of them are like catastrophic. The best you can hope to salvage your own mistake is that you learn, oh, man, I better not do this again. And as you get older, hopefully, or you've had more life experience, you forgive yourself for it. I said that. And you remember that that story that I told you about that guy that I knew that when he was young, he decided I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to, you know, not, he didn't lose weight. He was too skinny, but I'm going to lift weights and I'm going to fix my teeth. And he never he didn't tell any of his friends. This was just him. You're going to have, I said, be prepared. And I don't know, I, I, I don't know what your, if you have a family of origin, or I don't know what your family or surroundings or coworkers, I don't know. But I go, be prepared. But I'm going to use the family thing. Because a lot of families do this. In my own family, where they will remember 30 years ago when you did that big faux pas, that big mistake. Oh, honey, you're going to do that again? Do you remember back in 1985 that? You tried that. You tried to start your own business. Well, you lost weight. You started that diet. Then what happened? Why are you going to do that again? Everybody has people like that. That, that, that. As far as they're concerned, their best intentions are they're trying to help you. They're trying to help you from like crashing and burning again. Like, why, 
I'm going to remind you, you made that mistake. We're going to do that again. You're going to waste that money. You're going to go get what? Hypnosis? And what? You're going to sign up for a gym. Like, remember, last time you, you spent $600 on that gym and look what happened. You got to be prepared either to stick clear of these people or not tell them about it. Or if you do, just go, uh, okay, and then walk away. Because you get a lot of people, whether they consciously do it on purpose, maliciously, or they don't, or they think they're helping you, remind you of all your mistakes and why are you doing this, blah, 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 blah. And then some of them, believe it or not, even I'm, I'm going to go with the coworker, the coworker angle is, God, if you do it, then what excuse do I have? See what I'm saying? Because maybe you are a, um, maybe you're married and have two or three or four kids or whatever. And so am I, we're like, we're on the same boat. We're all like, we, we're, we're we commiserate with, with all the, how, the craziness of our lives and being a soccer mom or whatever. And so when we fall off the wagon or when we, you know, we eat or when we don't stick to the exercise regimen or, Hey, you know, we're going to lose 30 pounds so that by the summer we go to the, Oh man. And we both crash and burn. It's like, okay. Do you really think sometimes that person might not maliciously, this is subconscious wants you to actually do it because where, where does that leave her? Me, man, I don't have any excuses. You did it. You're just as busy as I am. You have kids, you have a husband, you know, you, or you've got demands on your time or you might have a job and this, and you did it. God, well, that makes, that doesn't make me feel too good. That's why that's something that you also have to think about. And we're talking here about permanent, permanent behavior, change of behavior. We're not talking about change of behavior. And then a, a year later, you're like right back to where you were a year before. Okay. This is about permanent behavior modification. No drugs, no pain, nothing except you wanting this and making your subconscious your ally. All right. Getting back into why sometimes we fall into it because, okay, when people want you to do certain things, whether it's the media or the, you know, the company that wants to sell you something, uh, they want you to, they, they want to bring down that critical factor. Um, they don't want you, they don't want you to like overthink that. So they bring down, and you know what? As a matter of fact, you know, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people have seen, you know, like when people go into boot camp that you've got that sergeant going, and you and you, you worm, you get nothing. Believe it or not, what they're doing is they're they're they're, they're wigging you out so bad so that they can clean the slate and basically get you into that state where you're brainwashed in to become that cohesive uh member. Which, by the way, this is also the same technique that cults use, all right? Whether it's fear and anxiety, whether it's even the way they talk to you, um, and sometimes even um, certain beats of music, okay? Uh, this, is, this, is, this is something what they call conversion, okay? Now, this is used, by the way, not only by cults, but by human potential training companies, all right? Uh, because they see you as a convert, all right? Um, and 
in the the reason why they use this is that they work right away. Okay. The first one that they use is that they you 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 go to some place where you're cut off from the outside world. Okay. It could be a somebody's home. It could be someplace remote, uh, the ballroom of a hotel. Um, and usually and uh, where, hey, you know, you got to stay here and you can go to the bathroom a couple of times, but we need you to be here because this is going to be like uh, human potential trainings. Uh, the people giving the presentation, talk to you about keeping your agreements. Uh, uh, and by the way, and then, and then they insert, because if you don't keep your agreements, your life will never work. All right. Let's talk about fear. My life will never work. Uh, on the, on, on the surface, this seems like great advice, but basically they're trying to subvert, um, what you want to do for their own selfish purposes. Um, in other words, they want they're trying to get they're trying to get to into that yes mentality. Yes, you're right. Yes, yes. Because eventually they're going to down the road, okay, they want you to agree to go, let's say, along with the program, whatever it is that they're going to be presenting to you again, whether it's a cult, maybe you agree to some type of training. Uh, you know, in other words, they gotta convince you. Um uh, they, and, and they control, of course, you know, when you can eat, you know, we're going to do this. And then if you're a smoker, in other words, all that, that, that time outside of that area of what, where they've got you situated is, is very limited and you got to get an okay from them. All right. Uh, if you're allowed to eat, it's real short. Sometimes that causes tension. Uh, the reason for all of this, and by the way, again, I want to reiterate, this is based on the writings of Dick Sutphin, which but this I read many years ago, and I find it holds true. One of the real reasons for the agreement is to alter your internal chemistry. This again, causes anxiety, okay, and it gets you nervous. Down the line, it become, makes you, your potential of going along with the program, the pun intended, is higher. Um, and sometimes even some people, and I've seen this, I've heard of this where even if let's say at the end of that training, maybe it was a day long thing, uh, you're like, okay, I'm, you know, well, you're, you're going to sign up for this, you know, whatever you're intimidated or you're, you're scared into it. Um, again, remember, they just told you keeping agreements is really important because if not your arm will, I mean, your, your life will not work. Um, now, um, you know, and of course they're going to tell you, you know, we have a lot of people that, um, that have been very successful and they're going to give you all of these examples of people that have made, uh, that are successful because of being part of the, going with, with that, whatever it is that they're presenting. All right. Um, and of course this, the thing with the, uh, with the, uh, Boot camp, you know, mental and physical uh, fatigue, um, and uh, or something where they increase the tension in the room or the environment. Um, well, this I've seen. I'm, I'm real. So, uh, I know that I have that weakness where they cause you what they call uncertainty. One of the 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 most effective ways of creating uncertainty is to subject you to 
the fear of being put on the spot. Okay. And they use, you know, they use guilt feelings uh, or they, you know, they convince you to, to, you know, relate innermost secrets in front of others. By the way, this, this happened to me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to my, let me, let me tell you my personal story. Uh, when I was um, working on my graduate degree, my uh, master's in human behavior, we had a meeting, as a matter of fact, it was in Washington, D.C., to uh, basically you met uh, with your professors and with other people that were there, uh, what's what, oh, um, a colloquia. And, um, you know, we, we, stayed in a, we stayed in a hotel and we all met. It was like a weekend thing and we all met and your professors and everything. And I remember uh, all of us were in the same, the same program, the same graduate program. And uh, I want to say it was maybe, it was maybe all women with two guys. Is That's my, uh, my degree is in human behavior and addiction. So anyway, there's this one point where the instructor, we're all sitting like in a circle. And basically, you know, we're talking about, you know, behavior, you know, human behavior and what triggers it, et cetera. People start, I just happened to be at the end. You know, when I started going, I was at the end. And basically, I, I can't remember now how we got started on that. Where people, they, all of them, who were students were disclosing all these innermost like things, like things that happened to them, stuff that you're like, man, we're all strangers here. We just met a day ago. And you're like, man, when I had this, uh, some event in their life that was like kind of, no, no kind of really personal, you know, this disclosure, you know, and everybody's like, ah, oh, and I was like, and I was like, I started sweat bullets. Because at the beginning I was like, okay, you know, well, I don't know why you're talking about that because really, you know, this is something personal. I would think something you would, if you wanted to discuss it with anybody, would be somebody that on a private level or with somebody that wanted to help you, a therapist. I don't know. It was like, and then I don't know who, everybody decided that they had to spill their guts about something really, and, I, and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I was like, to make a long story short, by the time, I want to say, like I said, it was maybe 15 or 18. I was 15 to 20. I can't remember people in there, but I was getting halfway. I was, I was getting anxious. I wanted to bolt and leave the room. I was like, <laughs> you know, what? Because I could see everybody was doing it. It's like, when it gets to me, what am I supposed to say? I'm not about to disclose anything intimate because I don't know these people. These are all students in my graduate program. I was like, and I'm not kidding you. I, there was a couple of times as it got near that I had to like, I had to like stop a minute and say, Marlene, you're not going to get up and bolt. Because it was like, you know what they, they seal off these like little ballroom sections where we were in there, of course, you cannot leave. <laughs> you just cannot leave. I had to basically talk myself into staying right there. And I remember, like I said, it was one of those coincidental things. I was the last one. So of course that, that, that worked in my beat because by then everybody's like, okay, you know, we got one more want to eat. We want to go to the bathroom. So everybody was like, I remember I said something like really stupid, like inconsequential. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm thirsty. I gotta go to the bathroom. 
Okay. So I know I can attest to that, um, that, uh, the, that, the thing about being, uh, and by the way, they weren't trying to convert me to anything. I don't. I have no idea really when I think back why, but I understand exactly when he um, describes uh, to verbally relate secrets in front of others. Oh, I, I, that that does work. It makes you anxious. Whatever, um, and you know that they say you know the removal of masks and all that stuff. It's like, huh? Um, and in some cases, I'm sure you see at some of these home human potential seminars, they force the people to stand on the stage in front of the entire audience. And sometimes the uh, trainer, under the guise of helping them, kind of like basically tears them down. Um, and of course, the most, the most uh, according to polls, the most fearful of all situations is to speak to an audience. <laughs> in a quote, it's ranked above window washing outside the 85th floor of an office building. Oh, not for me. Everybody's different. Okay, bottom line, that situation, you can imagine how much fear and tension you feel, okay? If you're in a seminar or in some type of meeting uh, that you've agreed to complete the training and I've, you, some people pass out and you see other people mentally going away. When I mean going away, you're like, oh, uh, they go into what's called an alpha state, okay? Which, when you go into an alpha state, it automatically opens you up 25 to 200 times to be more suggestible. Suggestible as in, you're going to do what I tell you, okay? Especially like that you're going to sign up for this super duper great program or that you're now part of this team. All right. And then they introduce jargon. Uh, basically, words that, hey, if you're an insider, you get it. You are you know, so, um, you know, you want to be part of the insider. And... Um, and also that they, there's no humor un unless you're one of us, okay? Uh, in other words, if you're if, unless you agree to come on board, there's no humor. Once you come on board, it's all great. You're now one of us. Um, now, um, the, the reason why I'm, I'm uh, that I'm, I'm mentioning this is uh, a lot of times these. You know, a lot of people think, well, this only takes place uh, if you go to a, a seminar, if you're in boot camp, or you're, you, you know, you go to a certain cult or church. You know, sometimes there are cults disguised as churches. Um, uh, and by the way, they, 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 right away, when you go to these things, they recognize people who are not going to go with a program, okay? And they want you out. You know, if they, if, uh, if, in other words, if, he, if they see this person is not going to do what they're told, okay, they're, you're out. Um, and um, all these things sometimes, uh, how, the, and I guess, um, if you want to call it a persuasion technique, okay, which is, you see a lot of sometimes commercials, um, uh, Things that are being told to you, it's 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 basically a way to manipulate your mind, be, without you, the manipulated party, being aware, okay, um, what's going on. Uh, in other words, they, they access the right part of your brain. You know, the left part of your brain is where you're analytical and rational. The right brain is your creative, your you know where you're creative, your imagination. Um, and basically, a lot of these techniques, what they do is they distract the left side of your brain, keep it busy, 
all right, uh, and cause you to go from beta into alpha in your brain waves. Okay, and then what happens is um, because in that way they can access that part of your brain and make you believe it, make you accept it, make you not have that critical factor say, well, that doesn't sound right. Or why would you be telling me that? Or what, you know, I'm, feel, I'm feeling anxious. Why am I feeling anxious? In other words, they don't want you, they don't want you to do that critical thinking thing. Uh, so the thing is that, um, in, in another, well, I'm getting to that thing. Oh yes. That, uh, Sometimes even the, I don't know, if you've ever gone to one of these blockbuster movies, whatever they are, whether it's uh, Star Wars or even a horror movie, the Jaws. I mean, let, let's face it. You listen to the music of Jaws and right away you're thinking Jaws, you know, it's like it's coming to get me. Now, can you imagine any of those movies without a musical score? You'd be like, wow, that's really good. It wouldn't have the same impact. It draws you in. And basically, um, there's a repetitive beat. You usually range from 45 to 70 beats per minute, which is a rhythm very close to the human heart. It's very hypnotic. And basically, it puts you in, into an altered state of consciousness, even if your eyes are wide open. Uh, once you're there, once you're in an alpha state, okay, you're 25 times as suggestible if you were in beta consciousness. Um, and basically you see that in musical scores for jingles, uh, uh movies, uh, programs, um, because, uh, be because what that does is, especially once you hook into it, you go into an altered state, um, and you, um, it puts you there, it takes you there. And the reason why I'm bringing this up as far as why people would use my recordings even after the fact is that once you leave, you still get bombarded by this. You have to be aware of it. Okay. And again, one of the suggestions I would always give my clients towards the end is that we're going to firmly close that door into your subconscious mind. Okay. And not allow any negative energy or, or pictures or anything to go into your subconscious mind, only positive. And I would reinforce that, which means that if somebody comes up to you and goes, hmm, putting on a little bit of weight, aren't you? You know, if your critical factor is up, it'll go, yeah, yeah, right. The one that's putting on weight is you or, yeah, you're full of, you know, what? Okay. If that subconscious or that critical factor between your conscious and your subconscious mind is down, I'm like, oh my God, I, I knew these pants were filling. You know, you start going down that road. In other words, you buy into it. Um, now, I'm going to read this real quick. And, I'm, and, and again, I'm going to, the reason why I'm saying this is, despite what we think, a lot of, what we end up being successful in doing has to do with our emotional state. And this was something that was written about. This was a survey. Uh, this was done about weight loss. Okay. And in the survey finds that uh, about 90% of, uh, of the key to losing weight 
don't look at the emotional aspects of food. All right. And by the way, this was published by the Orlando Health. Okay. Um, and again, it addresses, you know, tens of millions of Americans each year decide to lose weight in the new year. And while their intentions are good most of the time, the results are not. It's estimated that only 8% of those who make New Year's resolutions actually keep them. Uh, even if the weight is lost initially, it usually returns. And studies show nearly two out of three people who lose 5% of their total weight will gain it back. And the more weight you lose, the less chances of keeping it off. All right. Um, and then it goes on to say uh, where most people focus almost entirely on the physical aspects of weight loss, like diet and exercise, but there's an emotional component to food that the vast majority of people simply overlook and it can quickly sabotage their, their efforts. All right. And I'm going to put a link to that as well. I'm not going to go through the whole article, but my point being that how you feel emotionally, which is what hypnosis helps you with, which is the lowering of anxiety, the, 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 the agreement to change this behavior, that it's okay to change this behavior, to avoid that comfort of homeostasis is the key. Just wanting to do it strictly, not understanding maybe how maybe some of that behavior is a trigger for you to basically stay where you're at. Uh, in other words, is basically really what's sabotaging you. Not all these things like, you know, how people say, myself included, life gets in the way, all right? Um, and uh, one of the, I'm going to give you an example. Um, and I've told people that you know, one of the times that I had decided I needed to lose weight, plus I was training for something. And, you know, I told myself I was going to walk and I, I made up my plan A, B, and C. Like I said, I had a park close to where I lived which they had a two and a three mile route marked out on it because the, the, the schools, the high schools would do their cross country and track there. So, but they would close at sundown. So knowing what I know, I, 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 may, I plotted out a route around my house. And then there was a hospital in the area where they had people would walk around the lake. And that was my fallback. If I was out doing something. And by the way, I had a change of clothes and sneakers at the very least in my car all the time. By the way, that's how I did. But I said, you know what? I got to like, I got to start eating differently. And this was back in 2008, God, 14 years almost. And at that time they had one of these apps. By the way, I, I read a book. As I believe the gentleman's name was Pat Johnson. Very thin book, very basic. And all he did said was, Count your calories, not weight watching. None of this count your calories. So I got this little app was, you know, and basically, and the reason why I'm saying this is, you know, basically, the, you know, how you lay down neural pathways in your brain. And you, at the beginning, you got to force yourself because you're like, ah. and basically it, I found out, you know what, if I eat in excess of 2000 calories a day, I'm going to, the, the way he presented it was, if you, did, if you need, eat in excess of what the calories of your body needs, you're going to gain weight. If you eat what it needs, you're going to stay. It's the only way you're going to lose weight is if you eat below your calorie needs. All right. And he basically said, forget about whether you're trying to figure out if it's carbs or, you know, you know, proteins. He says, just, and I, I said, okay, I figured out, you know, they, my, my threshold was 2000 calories a day. 
And I told myself, okay, I'm going to limit myself to 1500 calories a day. And I give myself a 500 calorie margin. So if I went over it, because it happens. And by the way, and it also gave you a vague idea of like, if I did this exercise or I did this activity, it doesn't necessarily have to be an exercise. I could say, okay, it's basically I can, I've, I've burned X amount of calories, which it's surprising. <laughs> you got to do a lot to burn a little bit of calories, calories, and then you just eat anything. And at the beginning, you know, you know, I started realizing, you know, if I eat an egg in the morning and if I eat a toast and, you know, I was to make a long story short, the beginning, it, and it helped me, by the way, it did between one thing and the other, I started dropping the weight because what it taught me was that, I, and by the way, after a while, you, you figure out, you, 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 re, you uh, remember what are your common foods. I found out every egg has 70 calories. Okay. A cup of cooked rice was 170 calories. The piece of chocolate cake is 500 calories. So basically, when you're giving yourself a 1,500 calorie thing for the day, if you go a little bit over, okay, you still have that 500 calorie spread. Okay. After a while, you, you program yourself because a lot of, unfortunately, most of the stuff with carbs, potatoes, rice, didn't tell you couldn't eat it will up your calories. So basically, you knew, man, if I eat that, I can eat it. But somewhere between now and the end of the day, I'm going to be hurting because I'm going to be hungry. And in other words, you you maneuvered your behavior, what you ate. Because when you realize, man, that piece of whatever it is looks great. But it's about 600 calories. Hmm. But I could eat this. And I remember even at that time, um, I did uh, the... Uh, where I said, okay, if I'm caught in the, let's say on the streets, if I have to go through a fast food, what can I eat that's going to give me 500 calories only? And I remember there was um, in Wendy's, it was one of those where I could eat a bird. They had the thing with the chili on the side and it was 500 calories. In other words, that was my fallback plan, by the way. As in, if, if I go out there and I have to eat something, which by the way, that's another thing I tried to like eat like three meals and two smaller ones in between and so I wouldn't get like ravenous, like ready to meet my house. Uh, and that helped me a lot. My, my point is that you make plans. And if you have to force yourself at the beginning to do it, you force. And then all of a sudden it becomes second nature. And then before long, I really didn't have to look at that little app to know how approximately how many calories I was eating. Because I, you know, we tend to eat certain foods a lot you know, that in your menu of stuff where I knew more or less if, if I eat this meal, I'm going to feel full, but it's not going to blow my, the rest of my, my 2000 threshold for the day. And, um, and I guess also my point is at the beginning I had to force, how can I say not force myself because I wanted to do it, but you find that you have to think it, I have to, okay, I got to do this. And, and, and it takes a while for that habit to kick in. All right. And I'm not going to lie. It helps when you lose weight, when you drop a pound, it's like, yeah, oh my God, I dropped, dropped a pound. Yay. You know, positive reinforcement always helps. But my point is that, and as time went by, it started to become more second nature. The same thing when I was walking, when I had to walk out there, man, I, I made up you so many things. Oh, so-and-so called me. Ah, that's not my fault if I had to go take care of that. But I knew, hey, you know what? If it's after dark, you can go walk around the neighborhood. You already know where, what streets you can take, and that's a mile. 
oh no, you're caught out in the streets. Because I had, a, you know, I was working cases and I was, so in other words, I didn't have a nine to five. I didn't have a regular schedule. Oh, you can go by that hospital and uh, and go walk. Mm -hmm. In other words, I didn't do myself. And I'd be at the beginning, I was like, oh my God. I made myself do it. And I made myself do it. And guess what? It got to the point, I'm not going to tell you right away, two, three, four months into it, where I wanted to do it. I looked forward to it. I felt bad like if I didn't do it. And then, and then of course, the days that I would do it, I was like, oh my God. Oh, my back hurts. And I would stretch out. And then I got what the, I had never experienced this before. I got what they call the runner's high, which is once I got into it, my body warmed up. I got that, you know, and of course, and another thing I, I started, I, I back then, you remember where they had the little iPod? Well, it's not really iPods, anything basically that you could download an MP3. You know, remember, this is 2007, 2008, you know, where I would I would listen to music or I would listen to some type of program. Um, this is before podcasting really became as popular as it is today. So also that time or, or not listen to anything. You'd be surprised how much you can take in when you're not listening to anything. You're actually observing and you let your mind just go, whatever. All right. There's like the sound of silence. Hey, those birds and the squirrels and the noise and, you know, people going by and, and I'm actually doing something. All those things. I guess my point is, if you're going to do, okay, if you've got a New Year's resolution about behavior modification, which nine times out of 10, it is what it is, okay? Whether it's doing something new, changing, or stop stopping something, okay? Bringing down your anxiety levels, relaxing, even though you might not think of yourself as an anxious person, Sometimes the thought of changing that behavior will cause anxiety at a certain level. And that's why I will put it in a link into the description of the show. I'm going to have a free uh, link to my uh, hypnosis channel, which is, if, if you look here on YouTube, you can find hypnosis-diy is my hypnosis channel. But I also have the website hypnosis-diy.com. I'm going to put a link uh, for a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a, a new recording just for 2022, very generalized, basically to make you relax, open up your mind. And at the end, I'm gonna put in a suggestion about closing the door to your subconscious mind if what's coming your way is negative, all right? It's negative, whether it's something you hear over here so that's directed at you, something that you see. If it's negative, it's going to bounce away off that door. If it's positive, it will go into your subconscious mind. Um, because that's also like when I was describing all the way that people can be in a hypnotic state. And let's say you see that commercial and you're like, wow, that commercial, that car. Wow. And, you know, you're not basically they've put you in a hypnotic state where all of a sudden it's like that car. Or that whatever. Whereas if your critical factor was in, you go, that's a nice car. But it's only fifty thousand dollars. What is steal? It's like, in other words, you 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 realize that the feeling that they're trying to make you feel with that commercial, because that's basically lately a lot of commercials are run this way. It's like instead of describing the actual product. What does this product do? Why is it such a good car? Or why is they, they they try to equate the feelings that having this product will give you? 
And if you have your critical factor in, you're like, what does that have to do with anything? I'm, I'm going to want a car because I need maybe something that's reliable or maybe I like the way it looks and, you know, help me understand. Is it really, does it do really good in, in crashes? Is it, does it have, um, you know, does it have longevity? I mean, what's, what is it? Oh no. You know, if you pick up the blind guy in the forest, he'll take you to see the whales. Huh? Basically, they're trying to make you feel all altruistic, which has nothing to do with the purchase of a vehicle for the love of Mike. All right. And when you have that critical factor up, it hasn't been brought down by either the, the, the tempo of the music or certain thing. You're like, part of you is like, really? <laughs> okay, but aren't you going to tell me why your product is great? Or why I should buy it? Like, give me the reason. Not that they'll, they'll talk to me about the feelings or, you know, the humor in it. You know, I'm a consumer. You know, I'm willing to pay for it. But give me a good reason, which is usually what commercials should do. You know, or at least give me why I might look something else on it. Don't be so, but they don't want that. They want you to feel all emotional. Good. Oh. Or, you know, that thing of, uh, you know, when, when you see certain cars, you know, you're going to, you're going to be the, Oh, look, there he goes in that nice vehicle, whatever. Huh? And it's like, okay, that, that's not the way it works. You know, in other words, that illusion, the, you know, you, you, you understand it for what it is when your critical factor is up. And I kind of explained that again, I'm going to, I'm going to put a link or am I just going to upload the file of that, um, that paper that Dick Sutphin wrote, which is a real eye opener. Okay. And he wrote this back in the 1980s. But when you read it, you're like, wow, this makes sense. Like I said, if you, if you, you're observant a little bit, you'll recognize a lot of what he's talking about. All right. And again, guys, I want to wish you a happy new year. Um, and, um, also the, um, hopefully all of this effort besides the hypnosis will also get you vibrating at a certain rate to make things manifest for you that you want. You know, I want, I want uh, certain uh, people to come into my life. I want, uh, you know, certain opportunities to open for me. I don't, I, I don't want to be on that hamster wheel of repetition, you know, where next year I'm like doing a new year's or res resolution and all it is, is a, you know, no, you know, you, you want, you're going to embrace change. You're going to bring vibrationally situations, people that help you in that change. Okay. Sometimes you have to go through one door to be able to see the possibilities on the other side. Even things that you originally, that was not what you thought you wanted. But then because of that change that you make, then other possibilities become. And it's all because the universe shifts around to give you what you're vibrating as. And by the way, this is not a, um, how can I say it? This is not a wishful kind of thinking. This, again, I'm going to get back to it. Change, manifestation, the law of attraction, understanding uh, emotionally why we act the way we act or we pursue that same situation. All of that works hand in hand, but you have to do something. You can't sit there on the sofa and wish, oh, I wish I had this and I wish I... that's that. Yeah. By the way, that is the first thing you do when you want something. I wish. Oh, okay. Then what am I going to do about it? You know, is this behavior that I have, is it getting, is it this lack of behavior? Do I have to change this? You know, you come to the point where the E word execution, 
And then you do it on a day-by-day -day basis. You execute every day, execute every day, execute every day within 24 hours. Take it in 24-hour increments, all right? I'm going to give you a quick example. Let's say today is Monday. And on Friday, you have got a interview for a job, all right? And uh, let's say the clothes that you're going to wear to make a good impression, you, you realize I'm going to wear that. Okay. Normally what you would do, the first thing, let's say the first one, okay, this is five days away. We're talking Monday to Friday. Okay. The first thing you do is, okay, what can I do today? Today. You know what? I can figure out what I'm going to wear. Okay. What are you going to wear? Okay. I'm going to try it on right now and see if it fits, if it fits okay. Or is our button missing? Or does it need to be sent to the dry cleaner? All right. This is what you do versus waiting till Thursday night to figure out that crap. What I wanted to wear is um, it's stained. It's coming apart. I should take it to the dry cleaner, but now I don't have time. The button's missing. I'm going to look like a slob. Yeah, whatever. So on Monday, you do that because that's what you can do Monday. I still got five days to go, you know? And basically, that's what I'm saying. That 24-hour segment, you prepare yourself. Instead of get, going to going to that anxious moment that, uh, especially especially if it, myself, I, I'm, I'm one of those. Did you procrastinate? Life gets in the way. I'm busy. Oh, shoot. Okay. I know that today. Oh, how about my the shoes? Yeah, the shoes I was going to wear. Oh, geez. They're like. They look horrible. I haven't worn them in a while. It gives you enough time. You know what? What I was going to wear doesn't cut it. Or you know what? Maybe I could dress this up with a new shirt. I still have enough time that I can go and get another shirt. Even if I order it online, it'll be delivered enough time. Or I'll go out and I'll try it on. All right? So by the time Friday rolls around, okay, we're talking here because you've taken everything in 24-hour increments. Maybe Tuesday comes around. Okay, what can I do today? You know what? That place where they're going to have that interview, I'm not, I've never been there before. I'm going to find out. I'm going to map it out and see how many. Oh, it's 20 miles, and I'm going to have to be there at 9 a.m., so I'm going to rush hour traffic. So that means i got to leave at, hmm, I, I need to leave at least two hours ahead of time. This is an example. I'm just giving you a what. So in other words, you are, and the reason why I say this is, despite what we know, I'm going to give an example. Let's say that job interview, you're going to leave your job that you say that you really don't like, and maybe you're not being paid enough, and you think, I, I could do better than this, and, and now you finally got an interview at a new place, and you're going to like, your subconscious mind is going to say, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Hold it. This job that you know that you got now, you know what you're doing here. And you know who everybody is. You know the boss, even if they're just unlikable. And you know your coworkers, even if they're unlikable. And maybe you hate what you're doing, but you know how to do it. And you're there and you're comfortable. This is your comfort zone. You know what? You go to that new job. New people, your boss. What if you don't know what you're doing? You could look stupid. I mean, it's going to extrapolate into all the negatives. This is the way the subconscious mind works. And it will try to, you know, at the last minute, God, your clothing is not right. Uh, 
he didn't realize that this thing, it's 20 miles away, but at the time of day that you've got to get there, it's you have to leave at least two hours from your house or an hour and a half at the least, just so that you could get there comfortably. Or you realize, man, you know what? This thing is in a building in the downtown area, and I'm going to have to get there early because I'm going to have to park maybe two blocks away so that I can walk. Where's the public parking? So I know, hey, if I'm going to have to pay for parking, instead of having all these things dumped on you the night before or when you're there, where you're like ready to like, oh, cool. 20, if you take it in 24-hour segments, by the time that Friday rolls around, you're like, hey, yeah, short of you know a meteor falling on my car and crushing me. I kind of like did everything I could. I've got, I know I look good. You know, if I had to get a haircut for a guy, I want, I got a haircut. All right. I, uh, I left with enough time. I don't want to have to pay for parking. Um, if you're smart enough, you probably hopefully did some research on the company you're applying to. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna you might be probably nervous, but all these other things that could interfere to detour to sabotage you that that basically when you sit in front of your interview, you're like, oh my god, yeah, you know, that you look totally disheveled and like out of it. You because you you already did all these things. All right, and you took appropriate action every day without getting overwhelmed. And that's the way the subconscious works, and that's how hypnosis works to help you. Like I said, I'm gonna have a link to this information, to a short MP3 that you can listen to that will relax you, put you in REM sleep, and close the door to your subconscious mind and help you achieve what you want. You know, help you achieve. And by the way, one thing at a time, sometimes I would have people come to me and they go, well, you know what? And I want to lose weight, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this. Stop, 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 stop. One thing at a time. Slow it down. What do you want to do? Well, I want to lose weight. I want to, okay. What's, and then we would dissect really what, what's the most important thing? Well, you know what? I want to lose weight, but, you know, I realize I don't stick to anything. I don't stick to the dieting or the exercise. Okay, okay, fine. You know, one thing will come as a consequence if we fix this, the rest will come with it. What is it? You can't stick to what the diet or the, then we would go, okay, well, let's start with that. That. And then we'll go to move on to other things if that's what you need. Let's start with that. Well, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I want to go to the gym. and But, man, there's a lot of people and everybody's looking at you. And they're looking at the way you look. And I don't know. I said, okay. Then I would fall back on the, let's go walking. <laughs> let's make you stick to the go walking. And then if you do that for three months, then you can reward yourself. Because, by the way, Every time you succeed at any of these things that you set out for yourself, whatever, even if it's a small incremental thing, it boosts your, your belief in yourself and your belief in that it's okay to change and your belief that, um, that I can do it. God, I can do it. Hmm? Oh, by the way, I'm going to throw out my New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution is I'm going to let my hair grow out. And for those of you who think, well, that's not really much of a resolution, Marlene. Let me explain to you. I really haven't had longer hair since like 1990. I'll explain why. The 1980s were my 
a baby making producing decade. I had my kids during the 1980s. If I look at pictures, my hair was long. It wasn't cut because I was too busy. I had three babies, you know, those, those were 83, 85, 87. Right. Then after I got through with that, I realized, man, having short hair is easier because, you know, when you're younger and remember, I come from the age of the blow drying. Yeah. Before, you know, I got it. It was like, I could spend hours just like blow drying my hair with a round brush. Then I had the babies and my hair was long. And it was just like ponytail and keep going. And then I got into the kids are running around. So man, if I cut my hair, it's easier on me. It's just easier. I just I have to worry about it. And then before you knew it, it became a habit. So I always tell myself, oh my God, if I let my hair grow. So I challenged myself, I'm gonna let my hair grow. This is my year. Because by the way, I've, I've attempted this before. And even, it, inevitably, the, it, it, you know, that, that growing out stage, I go, ah, and I run off and I get a cut or I do something. And then it's like, man, I gotta get a cut to fix this, what I did. Uh, so I will put myself out there. That's my New Year's. I'm going to let my hair grow out at least at least shoulder length, at least shoulder length, which is more than what I used to have. So you can all hold my feet to the fire if I negate and I, <sighs> yeah, I have to work on that because believe it or not, in my mind, I see myself always having short hair. If I look at all of my pictures, I have short hair. That is my comfort zone. That is my recent identity, as in for many years. And of course, I've convinced myself it's easier to take care of, and I just get it a cut, and then I just have to, I don't really have to blow dry, and all I can do is just use, use some gel or some hairspray, and I'm good to go. So, see, we all have our challenges, among other things. So again, guys, thank you for being part of my audience. You are all wonderful. Please come back next week. I will have... We'll be back to the supernatural, paranormal, weird stuff. I'm going to put a copy of this video also on the Hypnosis DIY channel. All right. If you want to go to that channel on, on YouTube and also on the different podcast systems, I do have uh, recordings there, longer ones, uh, for sleep, cultivating inner clarity, uh, social anxiety, getting overcoming relationship anxiety. Go to hypnosis-diy.com, either on YouTube on, or you can go to the website itself. There's links there. And uh, again, you are all wonderful. Take care. Happy New Year.